Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. All right, welcome to Recap. Previously on Recyclables, we covered, in brief, the history of enslavement in the United States of America, uh, specifically as it related to the story I wanted to tell about Harriet Tubman, which means now you get to sit around and hear the story of Harriet Tubman. Uh, I misspoke in the previous kind of intro. I actually only read two books specifically about Harriet Tubman. I watched a lot of documentaries, uh, listened to a lot of other podcasts. The most important parts of that will be spliced into the show notes. As always, I encourage you to do your own research, you know, find a thing you trust uh, and and use it to look into the story more. Uh, this is definitely going to be one of the episodes there that we, that we kind of redo again. Uh, there, there's a couple episodes, like I think the story of Matthew Paul Deddy, maybe at some point we might do a Again, I, I know for sure we'll do the story of Claudia Jones, and I know for sure we'll do the story of Harriet Tubman again, because uh, they are stories worth telling. You might hear some notes uh, shuffling around in the background during the show. This was one of the episodes where I wanted to make sure I had my facts uh, as, as lined up as much as possible. But I do, I do firmly believe in kind of an oral tradition when it comes to the grander narrative of history as a way to make sure we share it amongst ourselves and each other. Uh, to sound less pretentious, I just mean, if you know a cool story from history, that makes history more accessible to you, and it makes it kind of more, I don't know, democratic, maybe? I don't know, maybe that's, that's aspiring too much to just... Anyway, I have notes on this one because I wanted to be accurate, but most of this is just coming right off the top of my head after reviewing my notes, um, and I, I think that's important because I, I always get turned off personally when I hear somebody tell me, like, hey, I have a 20,000-word essay, and I'm like cool. That means you have the time and space and stability to write a 20,000 word essay. Um, not everyone has that. And I know a lot of listeners might not have access to write a thousand word essay. So part of the reason I like doing these things as, as off the top of the head is to encourage you, the listener, to be willing to just go learn, learn a cool story from history that you like telling people. Uh, that's, it's kind of the whole, one, one of the goals of the show. Uh, another one of the goals of the show is tell you cool stories from history. So I'm gonna I'm gonna depart now and hand it off to Past Pat. Uh, ready to go, PTP? And also every Tuesday, Chris hosts the Real Comedy Spot. Open. I had no words. You were phone. you were trucking along. You were doing great. Oh. The Real Comedy Spot so open mic. Yes, I got most of the words. I got the words out, but not in the right order, is what I think happened. I smoke a lot of weed, but you do that every Tuesday, and I wanted to make sure to put it into an audio clip so that eventually maybe I put it in the other episode if I'm smart. We'll see if I remember. We'll see what happens. Uh, also, want to point out before we get into the thing, we'll do a shout outs. Uh, we're going to be streaming the show uh, on twitch.tv slash Charlie Hickmont at this point. Hell yeah. So you can't. I mean, just... you're not going to be able to, like, participate yeah. as much because we're just going to pull some people from the odds. Uh, one of our favorite games on our podcast is Alaska Man, Arizona Man, Florida Man. We are looking to get audience participation for Ooh. 
this particular event and it's exactly what it sounds like we're gonna feed you headlines an audience member and one special guest are gonna be like two-man teams oh so that i can listen to them bicker and argue and uh <laughs> today patrick's gonna talk to us about <laughs> I'm gonna talk to you. I, I re- a reoccurring joke i've actually heard it multiple times now because i've edited it is that the only hero in history is harriet tubman so we're going to talk about the only hero in history, Harriet Tubman. God damn. I don't, I don't think that that is an exclusive statement. I think there's a number of people who do heroic things in history. I think there's a distinction between what we are taught is heroic, you know, guys like George Washington. Uh, what a piece of shit. Versus people like Harriet Tubman. So if we brought him back to life, would his teeth fight him? Because his teeth were like slave teeth? Well, if we brought him back to life, does each individual tooth come back as the person it was stolen oh. from? Because that's some necromancy. Is then even like possessed by them? Because that'd be pretty dope. That's, that would be... I don't know that that's fun for anybody involved. Yeah, I don't. No, but I'm just saying it's gonna be a weird situation. All I'm saying. Also, we're gonna let this cat out of the bag early. I did do a wax museum when I was in elementary school, and I was Harriet Tubman, and my mom did put me in blackface. I did not know what blackface was at the time. My, so, my favorite I'm part sorry. About, my favorite part Canceled. about this is you, more like your mom needs to apologize. If you go Pull to their house, hands. that picture is not like in. It's framed. It's framed and in the. But like, it's not prominently displayed. No, it's, it's not super prominently displayed, but it's, but totally, it's there. It's totally you walk up to it and you're like, did somebody let a kid be a racist? And is this a hate crime? No, this, it's an accidental one. But it's still, that's you don't, silly, you don't yes. frame a hate crime. That's, that's, it's like uh, the oh. adults committed the hate crime. The child was just really jazzed about Harriet Tubman. No, which you should be. That's why we're Yeah, no, I've thought she's, ra- I've always thought she was super rad, so. Do you do a wax museum? Well, we call it Night of the Notables, but yeah. What's yours? Alexander Graham Bell. Whatever, Bronson Stubbs was behind me and he was white Jesus, so. I have no clue what you people are talking about. It's, oh, like in school, you would do like you, a wax museum. You choose day. In, in, oh. in my our like parameters. It was choose a prominent American, and you discuss what they did, and, and, and like no, you dress we, up you with like them. Are them? No, I think we were. I, I don't know if my school knew I was neglected or like what. But we didn't. We <laughs> they, didn't. You guys, well, also Portland because this was in Portland, right? Well, I Portland public schools might have been smart enough to be like, we shouldn't have this activity. <laughs> That's fair. Because I, I should not have been sitting bull. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I, see, I, I chose a Scottish guy just because. just was, to be safe. I grew up in Sacramento until I was. I like hated eight. white people. I don't know what to tell you. That's fair. I grew up in Sacramento until I was eight, though. So there's this weird thing where, like, stuff we were learning when I came to Portland, we'd already learned like in second grade, and they were picking up in the fourth grade. But then there would be stuff about local history where I'd be like, "Why do you guys care about beavers so much?" And apparently, like. You know, they used to live here. So we <laughs> used to being the honor Because yeah, um, this used to be a rainforest. <laughs> a conversation I had with my kid earlier. So, like I said in the last episode, I originally was going to do this as the Harriet Tubman story, and then I kept going to tangents. So I tried to keep all the tangents into one episode already. My second idea for this episode was going to be, is Harriet Tubman the first Batman? Because a lot of this story, uh, by the end of it, you get the impression of like, because she, she learns to do a lot of stuff where you're like, those are a particular set of skills you learn, ma'am. Like, but she's so better she's than Batman because she Liam saved Mason. her parents. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, Charlie. Fuck Bruce shirt. Wayne. <laughs> Hit the points button for me, Charlie. Suss that, rich baby boy. Uh, but that is also because one of the things I want to avoid doing is overly mythologizing Harriet Tubman, despite my hyper- hyperbole. 
because it's important. But what are you talking about? She would fly people over the Rocky Mountains. She also until... had laser vision. But the reason it's important to tell people about and her kryptonite. she predicted the fall of the crypto market. This oh. is true. And you remember when she brought the Statue of Liberty over? Right? She swam it across her friends. She brought it yeah. to life and broke over yeah, she... Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> she anthropomorphized it with the song, Your Love! It lifted me higher. Thank you. It is important. <laughs> it is important that she is a real person and we, we get this reality. Because at least to me, the context of that reality actually makes her much more interesting. She right? was hella disabled by and, the end, especially. That's one of the things. Is it yeah. doesn't that doesn't get talked about a lot in biographies because you want to hear like about the what fact a that she would just like fall asleep because she got fucking multiple TBIs. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get to that hypersomnia. But to as much as I'm gonna mythologize her as we go along and have fun being like, what a badass bitch. I do want to say that, like, this is a human person, and that's important to remember because, it to me, it makes the extraordinary thing she did extraordinary, even more so, because, like, the example I used on the internet today is, like, it's cool when Keanu Reeves does a flip in The Matrix, but he has a film crew, and he's been practicing all week. And CGI. And if I got up and did a backflip, you guys would be like, holy shit, Pat's a cripple. He shouldn't have done that. Like, that's not, that's not how physics works, right? And Harriet Tubman is doing the 20 backflips without a film crew. But if it, if it's mythologized, I think it takes away from that, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm... Are we ready? All right. Her, uh, Harriet Tubman was actually born Araminta Ross. Uh, her family called her Minty. Uh, until fresh. Fresh, yeah. Because <laughs> she was so fresh. <laughs> uh, we do not know exactly when she was born. They believe it was roughly March of 1822. Because one of the realities of enslavement is you don't keep good birth records if you don't have to. Guess what? Because why would you? You also lie to people about their birth dates because it is to your advantage, as we talked about with manumission. If you don't know how old you are, then you don't have to. How can you tell me you're 45? Yeah. And that means if you don't know that you're 55 when you're 55, I can tell you, actually, I can't set you free because you're too old now. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to be one of the bad ones. I got to keep... Yeah, it's good. We are not, uh, as is occasionally happens, we are also not 100% sure that the man who raised her was her biological father. One of the realities of enslavement is that your enslaver can assault you. And then you have to keep the child because that's the system of chattel slavery. And they straight up did, like, breeding practices on some folks. They would do stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Araminta's childhood is particularly complicated by the fact that her mom and dad are married, but then their owners get divorced, and her dad has to go with one owner, and her mom has to stay with another, and she has to stay with her mother, which means she has a much more complicated family life as a result. There's like all these things that suck, obviously, about slavery. Like, like no, no, <laughs> duh, right? But one of the things that it does do is it allows you to define your notion of family. So even if your enslavers are saying, yeah, you can't get married or whatever, they can't stop you from saying you're married to each other, right? Even if they can break you apart by sending you south, they can't stop you from falling in love, right? They can steal your children. But they can't take away the fact that, like, you're a mother, especially if you're a mother to all of the children in your life. You, A person can only choose to dehumanize themselves. You can't actually make them do that. 
that. You can create conditions in which they decide to dehumanize themselves, but you can't take away someone's ability to have love and connection and things like that. Yeah. And they and and a thing that happens as she gets older, she finds out that her dad has been met. Both her parents should have been manumented, uh, following like a complicated divorce proceeding thing where like somebody's inheritance was supposed to be you get these people until they're forty five, and then they they're freed of their own blah blah blah. And then when the divorce happens, the legality of that gets confused, and basically she's able to. Uh, save up enough money to hire a lawyer to get her dad free, but not her mom free. And that's a pretty common reality. Uh, we'll, we'll encounter it later of a free man having to be like, cool, I guess my wife is enslaved. And like all of, all of the things that happen to an enslaved person are still going to happen to them. But at least I get to claim them as my wife. And if they get sold, at least I can move with them. So, so that's cool. <laughs> Before she is air quotes. Yeah. Before she is born, uh, she actually has two sisters who are uh, sent south, which is a pretty terrible fate given the conditions. Oftentimes it's used as a punishment, uh, but sometimes it's just you make more money by selling people to the south. Usually the further south you go, the more horrendous the conditions of being a slave and the more horrendous conditions you are enslaved in. Uh, or, or more horrendous the conditions of being enslaved and the more horrendous conditions you're enslaved in because the environmental factors get way worse. The weather is worse to be enslaved in in Georgia. It's hotter, there's more pests, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, she is born in what will... I told be... you it's a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> Maryland? I can't remember the exact city. Yeah, Maryland. Maryland. Dorchester County, Maryland. And Maryland is pretty unique in that it is the north and the south and kind of the southest, furthest south you get and still be maybe considered north. There's a lot of instances of free people going back and forth between, uh, or not, not free people, sorry, a lot of instances of people finding their freedom and going north, or free people coming south and finding labor alongside enslaved people, because it gets super complicated when, yeah, I can hire an enslaved person, but I can also hire a free black person for less money if I feel like it, like, it's, it's cool. So like, that's the new they took our jobs, dang! Yeah. And oh yeah, I go through a few uh, reincarnations. Yeah, the took our jobs is so prevalent. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it'd be wouldn't it be weird if we didn't have jobs to worry about? And then what? What would they take? What would they take? Anyway, oh, freedom. Her, <laughs> oh, sorry. Thanks for going there, though. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to quote Mel Gibson ever. Her sisters being sent south is a huge uh, influence on her life. She she's always kind of aware of these people that she's not able to help. Um, did, did you guys have, like, chores when you were five? I feel like Chris probably did. For sure. Like, Chris and I have, like, similar childhoods. We were like, hey, th this was... Which kind of worse was this for you? But did you guys have chores at five? I think you did. Result. I emptied the silverware tray in the dishwasher, yeah. probably. Shut up! There were three kids! I'm sorry my life was vaguely more charmed than yours. No, for you, Charlie? No. Did, did any, did any, I was, let me say it now, only child. At five, I was like, only child, perfect child. So nobody, that doesn't no, surprise me one bit. No, nobody made you weave uh, baskets that would be sold at market and or used. We might have woven, weaved, weaved, uh, weaved. I caught uh, worms from it as fishing uh, trips. Baskets, it, but my mom ran like a Montessori preschool from our house. So like, and it was just like around kids and we were just like playing and. Singing. So you were the mole. Uh, yeah. 
Did you ever tell her when the uh, when an uprising was fomenting? <laughs> probably. I probably narked. Oh. Fucking typical. Yeah, Charlie's a good kid. Well, I did hit a, hit a kid in the head with the bell. He had it coming, but it was my turn. Well, we're gonna we're gonna hear <laughs> we're gonna hear about a Charlie like incident later. Okay. That'll be good for yeah. shadowing. Yep. Uh, Araminta starts uh, her first job at five is basket weaving, and if she doesn't get it, she is severely beaten. Uh, she isn't good at it because she has a five-year-old hand, and basket weaving is a complex thing. Uh, when she is seen as being bad at that intentionally, she is uh, rented out to people to be a house servant and child care provider. So all day she does chores. Do you think this was a ba- uh, kind of a slave-breaking kind of thing, too, where like she wasn't doing her job well with them, so they're like, well, hopefully they'll beat the crap out of her and make her a good worker? It, it's a little unclear, because okay. the family that has her enslaved isn't doing good. Like, okay. they, they own a lot of people, but they're actually kind of poor foreign slavers, and so they're constantly trying to find money. And especially after the divorce, the family is a little bit more desperate for money. But it is also, like, her descriptions of herself in some of the books, like, when they quote her, make it sound as if, like, she's she's not good at stuff and she blames herself, but, like, she's five. <sighs> so so there, there's, like, a story about how she didn't dust the table right, so she dusts it and then the dust falls right back down onto it. And the, uh, the enslaver's like, well, I'm gonna beat you. And she's like, why? I did the job. I don't understand what I did wrong. And, like... She blames herself for that, but again, she's five. But that's what she's trauma does to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how to interpret. It's that It's easier one. to take ownership of the situation than realize how powerless you were in it. Yeah, everything's my fault, and then it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how much of it is that. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's that she does seem to be fairly willful, even as a kid, is her own impression of herself. Uh, at the same time, her parents do seem to be of particular value, A, because her mom has, like, six kids, and and a thing where you make people property, the more property your property makes, the more you like mm. property, and with her father, they got at least ten years of free labor out of him, maybe more, and he didn't, like, raise a fuss when they when he finds out that, like, he gets, he gets his freedom eventually when he finds out he should have been freed a decade ago, but he isn't, like, I'm gonna fucking raise a rug. I'm gonna burn this house yeah. down. So it's 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 hard to tell where she she is in that. Uh, at age six or seven, she begins house taking, and at night, so she has to spend all day cooking, cleaning, doing household chores, and then she has to rock a baby to sleep every night. And if at any point the baby uh, fall wakes up and it's a colicky baby, uh, she will the the owner has a whip underneath her pillow that she beats the child with uh that she beat araminta with for not keeping her child asleep and like the thing that struck me about that is that it's like you're sleeping on top of the whip to like like all of these steps to just not take care of your baby is the bizarre like yeah like you know what a baby cry does to your brain though i I'm not excusing it, but I get it. Never, if you're selfish and yeah. you don't want to be responsible for that sound that is literally supposed to make you care. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it goes. <laughs> You'll like, go through anything to not actually have to follow through. I, I do remember thinking, I wish I could hit a six-year-old. This baby is crying uh, so I much. Hit, I, I hit do. a little hard. Oh, boy. Yeah, no. And, yeah. And when you think the system is correct, then you don't question it. That is true. Um, God, I hate everything. Yeah. She runs away when she is seven. Uh, Hell yeah. To a pig pen where she hides in it, where she's scared the mom is going to eat her when she steals slop from the the pig trough. 
So two, she she seems to be gone for a week and then comes back, uh, and is is punished. Uh, of course, this is a thing that actually happens to a lot of enslaved people. There's numerous instances of somebody running away and coming back. It will it will come up later in the story, um, and it's the same thing we talked about in the previous episode where you're like, well, you kind of have my whole family hostage, and if I go to New York, they know I'm a runaway. Shit, what do I do? I guess I go face mom and dad. And like I say it that way because it's like this. I remember having the same feeling when I was 16 of being like, well, maybe when I'm 18, this won't be a problem. You know what I mean? So I I don't mean to minimize it in that sense. Um, When she is eight years old is when we get to the Charlie story. Or or, sorry, she's in her teens. My bad. She is in, she is rented out to a shop. She's doing labor there. A man runs away, escapes punishment uh, obst- uh, uh, potentially is just running away from punishment not running away and, and punishment in air quotes here so running away from assault and uh somebody tells her to stop them and she doesn't so a man that's in the shop that she's in picks up a two pound weight to throw at the enslaved man that is fleeing but hits her and hits her in the head and puts her into a coma uh yeah. and creates extensive frontal lobe damage uh, they believe that she probably had uh, uh, potentially CPS, definitely hypersomnia, which is for the rest of her life, she would, in the middle of conversations, nod off, and she would warn people about it, like, like hey, and she would pick right back up where she fell asleep, and I was almost thinking of doing that as a gimmick for this episode, but I can't commit to a bit, <laughs> and I was not going to every 30 second minutes go... And that's when Harriet Tubman, (laughs) she also at this point started to receive visions from God. Uh, She she would declare a number of times in her life to either uh, have divine visions, to have dreams, or to hear God talk to her directly. A lot of historians and authors have kind of made that sound Joan of Arkish. I also think, you know, frontal lobe trauma may do that to a person. That doesn't deny any of, of, of the potentiality of it, but I'm like same time like um she was very very lucky to survive apparently if she had not worn like a head wrap that day she might have it might have been worse they had right. they had something that kept it from like fucking fully getting... penetrating yeah um that man of course saw no punishment um he might have had to pay her in slavers which is another fun historical that sounds like the old testament right there well, some of the historical context is we, we talked a little bit on the South One episode. There weren't a lot of lynchings in the South that were ended in murder because that's destroying someone's property. And it's way easier to vandalize someone's property and pay them than to replace somebody's property as far as the system goes. So it's not until you are free and killing you is a thing that matters to you Killing you causes more control than it did when you were product. Yeah, because, because well, actually, now that you're free, we're free to kill you, is, is the message of that. Before you were protected because someone owned you. And and so all, the, all of that is to say that, like, you don't get punished, really, when you damage someone's property any more than you would. Like, if I, if I borrowed Charlie's car and broke the door, obviously I'd have to replace or, or do something insurance-wise. Which is also another thing. There's totally a system of insurance on enslaved people. We mentioned a little bit in the previous episode, but you also do shit in the South where you the the, the three fifths compromise is probably the most famous example of it. 
where you say uh, an enslaved person is three-fifths of a person uh, when we do the population uh, so that we have more people in the House of Representatives. But, like, they don't get a vote or anything. They just, <laughs> yeah. They're just counting Right, they just count as people. Gerrymandering. Sort of. Yeah, it goes all the way back. Uh, her her head injury, in addition to the sleeping spells, she also gets dizzy spells for the rest of her life. She is plagued by headaches. As an adult, at one point, she will eventually get unanesthetized lobotomy to help. So she, just, she bit on a bullet, because that's how she'd seen soldiers during the Civil War do it. God damn it. She so, bit on a bullet as they bored into her the front of her head. Such a bad. So she was seventy, because <laughs> she she was finally like, I got to do something about these headaches. Finally, I've got time. I'll get a lobotomy. Anyway, <laughs> because she's so busy doing all the history right. and all that. Before tangential to this injury, after she ran away, she's given outside labor for the most part, which she actually likes. Because even though there's a dichotomy between house enslaved people and field enslaved people, uh, to a certain degree, you get a lot more freedom when you're out in the field. Because all you have to do is just do your labor. But if you're in the house, every move you do is monitored. Every right. every little thing you do wrong is wrong. Yeah, you might not have to be beaten the same way, or maybe you get like particular perks. But like, it, six of one, half dozen of the other. If you value just independent thought, which clearly she did. Uh, she was also a, a big fan of singing, and Hugh like like would sing throughout all of her life. It's, it's common in all of her stories. It's something she uses. When she's in the Underground Railroad, and also a very religious woman, like deeply invested in a belief in God. And like the visions that she gets convinces her that enslaved people will be freed at some point. But so she becomes like a muskrat trapper, which means she has to go in the swamps. She has to learn all the bayous. She has to learn all the tricks white people do to let each other know that they're out and about in the wild so that they don't scare away the wildlife that they're hunting. She learns all the back roads in the area because of this. She learns how to live off the land because they'll send you out for a week to like go clear all the traps and shit and we can't have you die while we do that. Which is why I was like, they Batman this bitch. Like, they, they're, like they're like... What you're saying is she got... Um, this bitch. Training. Like, this was her boot camp. Yeah, she got, like, hunter training. This is the training montage right here. Yeah, and then when after the head injury, she does get, like, lighter duties, but what that means uh, is duties. she's... She's still doing indoor chores because she's she's built like a very powerfully built woman, right? She's like five feet tall because she's sick all the time as a kid. That's why initially they just give her housework, but then she proves obstinate. So they're like, I guess you go in the field and it actually lets her kind of like build up her, her physicality, it seems like. Uh, but she tops out at five foot. So like, like Stan, a short queen, I think is the way the kids say the yes. things. Uh Yes. But when she does get pulled back in after her head injury, she ends up being one of those people that's, like, pretty integral to cooking and cleaning inside the house, which helps her communicate with a variety of different other people in the community because somebody comes to make deliveries, and you get to talk to that person, you get to hear about systems in, in the area. And thanks to her family, there's also a number of connections. Her dad worked as, like, a, a lumberjack, and eventually she takes that up, too. And thanks to Maryland's community of freed people that have uh, their own communication styles that lets them know what the what the whites are up to to keep themselves safe, they also have a communication network that goes up and down the coast, uh, uh, Maryland in particular, but like up and down the eastern seaboard, because oftentimes you want freed black people to do certain particularly dangerous jobs 
because if you're an enslaver, it is not cost-effective to risk your own enslaved people, but it's work that's beneath the whites, or their perception of themselves more accurately, obviously. Uh, and so it's, it's just super advantageous for you to have these people. As a result, these people create a network of conversation that can go up and down the coast that's interdependent of white communications means, and it's also the beginnings of the Underground Railroad. Because another thing is white people really don't see color in a weird way, and that you're all the same black person to them. And so... Well, yeah, if you're not a person, why would I take the time to figure out how you're different than the other person who's not a person? And so if a group of people that I know are free black people come along and there's an extra person in that group, I'm not going to really think much about it, especially if I wasn't counting heads too closely anyhow. So you, you get a number of opportunities for people to begin to leave more and more so as the 1840s move into the 1850s. After the Fugitive Slave Act is passed, the thing where you can send marshals across state mm -hmm. lines to get people, it becomes infinitely more dangerous. But that doesn't happen until after Harriet starts. Um, she, she gets married in her early 20s to a man named John Tubman. That's when she changes her name to uh, Harriet Tubman. Uh, her mom's name was Harriet. It may have also been a religious thing. She may have changed, like, branches or whatever and decided to, as a conversion, like the same way um, Malcolm X did. He, he went right. from one name to Malcolm X. Well, it's part of religious ceremonies. Yeah. Like, when you get confirmed in the Catholic Church, you take on a church name. Okay. So, I just kept mine the same because I was like, this is stupid. Uh, she does take on the Tubman name from her husband at this time. And this is a complicated thing because her husband is a freedman. Uh, and she is enslaved. This is, like I mentioned early, a common thing that happens because, A, you're also more likely to find freed men because you, you, you can't... Men can't make more babies. And so if, like, yeah, no, you can totally keep making product for me to ship out. Thank you. I will make dramatic amounts of money from these rentals. Uh, cool. Her family, <laughs> Harriet's uh, immediate biological cool. family, yeah... It experiences a lot of tragedy because of the poor money management of the enslaver. Basically, after his divorce, he keeps doing these things to try to get rich quick. Like there's, there's oh, a, so they're crypto. Yeah, there's a whole thing oh. with like a dike that's supposed to go in place in this part of Maryland, and so he they're buys lesbians. He buys a lot of land because he thinks lesbians are coming, and it's going to be a big deal for the real estate market and gentrification. The lesbians are coming. He's going to make a Home Depot. Yeah, but it turns out rich people who want to be in charge of the, the power that the, the canal and dike will bring, uh, they use each other's lands instead of random guys who buy land based on, like, speculation. So, like, he loses a bunch of money on this thing and, like, is forced to start selling off enslaved people. And most of the people that he has, they has ownership of are related to Harriet. That's her impetus for moving. She finds out two of her brothers are going to be sold. So she and they run away. And then the brothers are like, we can't do it. We have wives and girlfriends. Mom and dad are still there. We have younger other siblings and cousins. We have an extended family of cousins. Let's go back. Uh, so and she's like, hell no, or does she go back? She's like, hell no, fuck it, we'll go. Uh, goes back and then leaves without them like a week or two later. Uh, and my favorite part is if, if man, I really, want, I really want to shout out this book because I think it's one of the better ones. Kate Clifford Larson's Bound for the Promised Land, where she sings a song about I'm, I'm, I'm going to be leaving this place and never come back to the master. And he's like, 
okay, cool. And then she does it. Like he's like, <laughs> he, like he's like keeping his eye on her and he's like, I know you're up to something, but I have to go to bed at some point. And then he goes to bed and she leaves. Uh, and she leaves her husband, she leaves her parents, and she she travels 90 miles by foot to Philadelphia, because that's what you do to get freedom. Yeah. Uh, and get cream cheese. <laughs> she is helped along a couple of points by Quakers, but oftentimes the Underground Railroad really is the, the network of black people and communities. Occasionally you can find a white ally who will hide you in their house, but one of the catches is oftentimes you you still have to be treated as an enslaved person in case someone comes along to see if this person got away because one of the things like because you're so delusional in the south because you think the system is correct you don't think you you think people who won't participate are going to do incorrect things so like they think if you bring a slave in you're an enslaved person in you're going to like prop them up and give them a fancy chair and treat them real nice and like lie to them there's a whole conversation in the south where there's a thing called diphtheria, if I remember the name yeah. right, where they are so convinced that African black people want to be enslaved that they think it's a mental illness that they would want to leave. And so they assume... Diphtheria is a disease. Oh, it's, yeah. Diphtheria is the thing that covers the back. Covers oh, this, you, right? I can't remember the name. It starts with a D. Well, I'm embarrassing oh, like myself. Like dysphoria? I, I don't remember... Drapedomania was a supposed mental illness that in 1851, American physician Samuel A. Cartwright hypothesized as the cause for enslaved Africans fleeing captivity. How fucking wild. People wanting to not be slaves. That's just bananas. And because you think that way, if you are an enslaver, you think if an enslaved person shows up at like a Quaker's house, they're going to do bizarre things because they're crazy. So they're going to be crazy. So they're going to do crazy stuff instead of be smart enough. It is, it is, they, they really cannot conceive that enslaved people wouldn't be, the people helping enslaved people aren't crazy. So they anticipate stuff. All that is to say, if you're fleeing, your, your conditions suck just as much as if you're enslaved. And sometimes you still have to act enslaved. Yeah. And sometimes what that means is somebody really Which just tricks you in being enslaved. Yeah, sometimes that happens. And somebody's told like, oh yeah, you just go on like two counties down, there's a house there and they'll keep it safe. And that's just a dude who collects people, you know? Like that's yeah. just his... Yeah, and that's the thing is like, it would make sense that they would typically only want to rely on other African people and African Americans because you never know what white person actually gives a shit about you. And that's the other you thing. can't you, fucking know until you, uh, like the shit hits the fan. And you can't trust any of them because the same dude that just is lying to you about your age might be lying to you about the fact that there are other might not be lying to you about what other white people might do or might like it could be worse elsewhere. What you, you don't know, but if it's bad here and this guy is the best you know, and you know other people have had it, you, you've heard. So it's 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 not an easy thing to to psych yourself up to do. The devil you know versus the devil you don't. Yeah, know. and plus right. if you if not you and if you end up in like Tons Philadelphia, plans. you're ending up in Philadelphia with no money. You know what I mean? Like you're you're showing up in a new city with just what you have on your back. So it's not even like. The, the remarkable thing about Harriet Tubman is she kicks ass and saves a bunch of money. It's like, all right, cool. Now I got to go back. Saves a bunch of people or saves a bunch of money? It saves up a bunch of money oh. to go back because it's not easy to go back. You also have to have money to bribe people along the way. You have to, like, sometimes it is easier to just rent a barn for the night and have mm-hmm. no questions asked. 
sometimes you can pay for people to be freed. You can be like, hey, here's here's a hundred bucks. Let me have your least important person. And there'll be people who are like, I do like a hundred bucks. L.I.P. if you will. Yeah. And so she saves up money to go back and gets... She goes back a total of 13 times, saving 70 to 100 people. It depends on uh, who's telling the story. Uh, at first, the trips are about 90 miles from Maryland to uh, uh, Philadelphia. But eventually, they get they go from Maryland to Canada, so several hundred miles all on foot. Yeah. There are a number of remarkable incidents that happen along these trips. She manages to get... Most of her siblings, uh, it, she tries repeatedly to get her sisters a number of times, but she'll get back there and they'll have just been moved away, or one of them dies at one point. Mm. Um, that makes it hard. Yeah. Well, she did, uh, She uh, saving her parents was, was an interesting feat. It was like her last trip. The, she went for her parents last because being older, they were less likely to be sold, mm-hmm. but people were starting to put together. There, there's She isn't the only person that does it. But through her efforts and what will happen is she'll take a trip and she'll be like, yeah, so you stop at this house and you knock this way and you say Harriet sent you. Or you say Moses sent you. Yeah. Right? Or, hey, if you go to this field, there's actually a copse of trees in the middle of that. As long as you don't light a fire, you're actually pretty warm if you stay under there and you can stay there overnight. She also does all of these in uh, fall, winter, and spring because you have longer nights. Uh, there's a number of times, there's one incident where she uh, gets people over Christmas. Uh, she's strategically very intelligent on how she uh, times these trips. She'll try to get into a town on a Saturday night so that she can round up people and have a whole extra Sunday to leave because Sunday's the Lord's Day, so you don't print your, your slave catching report thingies. So she has a whole extra day of free time. And then she also does stuff like she wears costumes and disguises. <laughs> uh, I told you about. I told you about. Uh, she op- she drugs some babies once in a while with opium to uh, make them fall asleep. Those babies wanted to party. She is known to <laughs> carry a revolver on her, yeah. and if you decide you no longer want to, you she learned from the, the encounter with her brothers <laughs> and was like, "Look, you get a gun, or we keep going. These are your two options." So, I mean, maybe that's when she Did first... she kill anyone? Not that I heard of. I think most of the time what it is is people are tired, people are scared. And so you kind of almost have to be like, well, yeah. I'm going to have to kill you and like as a way to keep them moving kind of shit. And also, like... like I'm going to have to kill you because we need to go on. We got to go. Yeah. And slavery... Enslavement is traumatic, and, and the journey is traumatic. And so, like, sometimes you are in a kind of shock where, like, you really aren't processing mm. and so like it makes sense that like look we've been on the run for three days the nap won't hurt us like even if you hear the dog baying because like fuck it we've been on the run for three days and what you're saying yeah yeah the adrenaline rush of like fuck it we're gonna go is sometimes enough to get people to go mm-hmm. um the, the couple of the important stories that are worth noting she goes back for her husband he, according to her she even brings him like a fancy suit uh but it's been two years and he's remarried what a piece of shit. And people say that a lot, but it has been two years. I don't care. I know, but if you I'm have like, a woman like Harriet Tubman. I agree. We agree because we know who Harriet Tubman is. He wasn't in. into this falling asleep thing. What a fucking fool. But two years in is Harriet English. Tubman's open mic face still. So she hasn't, she hasn't like. I guess. I'm she, over it. He's done. 
I have no sympathy for this man. But she's so wonderful, she gives the suit to a dude who doesn't have clothes that she frees. Like, she's like, cool, you're not coming with? I'll grab another 13 people, we'll go in my headcanon. She bangs that dude. But Hell that's, yeah. I like to Probably. hope, I mean, she was religious, so I don't think she banged as much as she could, but Harriet Tubman, I hope she, I hope, I hope she got some luck. I hope she got some happiness out of life. Uh, she, like I said, she was unable to get her sister, which was one of her sisters, but she did help her brothers, uh, a number of cousins, like I said, 13 missions, and her parents, which is particularly of note because older people are really hard to make travel for 90 miles yeah. by foot, and she managed to get them to fucking Canada. Right? Yeah. And then, such a badass. But then her mom's like, I don't like Canada. It's too cold. So they move her down to New York. Which is still cold. Which is still cold. She Not as cold as Canada, though, I don't think. Yeah. No. They, they were in Ontario, like, like yeah. cold. They're, they're Tubman, not utterly um, perfect of a woman. She did kidnap a girl one time. Uh, she she kidnapped a girl named Maggie. There is speculation that it could have been her own daughter. Maggie. Yeah, and she she has a longer name than that, but I lost the part of the thing I was reading. Okay. In between these 13 missions, not only is she doing this thing where she goes and rescues people and brings them back. She takes it. And kidnapping children. I'll get to the kidnapping children part because it it, it comes at the end of her career. Okay. Uh, what happens is she will get day labor work. She'll, like, cook and clean. Nobody really goes back more than once or twice. So once she starts getting, like, half dozen, seven, eight, nine times, people are really taking notice about, like, who this person is. And the information she's giving people on how to travel is also spreading her renown. And so after a certain point, she's actually able to go around and raise money by just telling stories of her exploits. But it's also super dangerous for her because once the Fugitive Slave Act passed, she is now escaped property as far as the government is concerned, which makes her a criminal because it's it's illegal to escape. It turns out uh, there's that, but then she's also helping. That, you that's know, convenient for the system. Well, oh, I mean, it's kind of like how now it's still illegal to escape prison. Do you know? And do you know the United States is one of the few countries that has that? There's a lot of countries where that's not a crime. I, oh no! It's like, of course you'd want to escape. That makes perfect sense. I wouldn't want to be here either. I'm so yeah. brainwashed by America that didn't. I was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. If you can get out, props to you. Good for you. Yeah. Like, it's like it's like if they try to execute you and you don't die, you can go free. I, I hope that's the case. God, I, I would be the one person to find out that that's not the case, but then I keep not dying, but I do suffer. Anyway, at a certain point, she oh. is able to tour off of off of what she does, tell people stories of her adventures. Probably one of my favorite stories that she relates over this like a Christmas time. There's these guys who know there's like these patrols that start going around because they know enslaved people are running away in Maryland in particular. In the years leading up to the Civil War, there was basically a mass exodus. I didn't write down the exact number, but it's just she's not the only one. But her accomplishments and feat over the course of when you have so many other data points to be like, oh, so many people went once or twice, 13 stands out that much more. Anyway, because of that, there's increased patrols. She encounters one on a bridge on like Christmas Eve, and she's like, bullshit, you guys have to be out here on Christmas Eve. I'm like, the fuck, you're a black lady. What are you, like, I think we're looking for you. And she starts talking to them about how she used to be married to a black dude. But she's kind of thinking of marrying a white guy. Like, what are their prospects? And they get super uncomfortable and leave, right? And she then, just hit on them and... T- yeah. 
the particular beauty of the maneuver is that uh, everyone was super nervous before that, and they had to go through town, and now they're laughing their asses off, and they go through the town totally relaxed, and, like, no one gives them a second glass because they're not, like, looking all scared and fugitive. They're laughing at the fact that these guys got so uncomfortable that Harriet Tubman was like, hey, you. Oh, my God. Um, In order, one of her goals in order to get her parents is she needs a home. Uh, over the course of the speaking tour, she meets a guy named William oh, H. Seward, who is uh, S-E-W-A-R-D. Not it's okay, Seward. it's cunt. It's okay, okay, we know, it's cunt. William H. Cunt. No. William, <laughs> William. I just keep thinking, you know, you're like, she's on her tour, and I'm just seeing Harriet Tubman <laughs> like, on like, a mic. <laughs> And it's just like, what's the deal with attack dogs? Like, gosh, that's rough. We're going to hell. Um, but along the way, I mean, it's not. It, it might. There might. There are bound to be. Like, like the deal is, there's actually a lot of black people who go around speaking for abolition. Right? Tubman is one of them. She is one of the few that is raising funds exclusively to be like, no, I'm going back and getting people. Do you want to? Did you want to throw in 20 on that? Like, I, you, what do you got on that? Well, other people are like, we're raising money to pay senators from our society against the... Uh, Harriet Tubman started GoFundMe. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of other women that do it. There's another, uh, Sojourner Truth is also going around yeah. at the same time. I think that's her. Like, there's a famous story. They're also both uh, insulted for... Their their femininity is insulted. Like people refuse to believe that they are women doing these things. It must be a man in a wig or something. Yeah, and I guess Sojourner Truth like popped a tit out and was like, "Do men have these?" At one thing, I mean, according, I do. According to yeah, fair. According to one book, that's the thing Sojourner Truth did. But, uh, Maybe not uh, like Sojourner Truth. So I don't know. Harriet Tubman embraced it and was like, "Yeah, I'll dress up like a guy." Yeah, no, Moses did this. Sure, anything to keep me alive. Anyway, do you want to give me money? to go bring someone back from Maryland because I'm gonna, like, that's just her her, uh, and this guy William Seward gets on board with it and does this, he's an abolitionist, uh, eventually a senator yeah. he comes from a rich family he basically gives gives property at value as much as possible to people basically gives Harriet Tubman this, this chunk of property in a place called Auburn that like is hers to own she only owes him like 25 bucks a month but basically because she's so often like hey have you got 30 bucks to go to help people uh she'll go help people and then give them that 30 bucks and come back and be like oh yeah mortgage well i'll get to that in a bit and this guy doesn't sound like someone i know no and this guy is actually nice enough to be like look actually you can you can keep doing that i'm not gonna you're harriet tubman i'm not gonna really worry about the rent he even runs for president and barely loses to Lincoln. Like, like there, there's a yeah. possibility where a guy who actually liked black people could have been the president in office. Shots at Lincoln! We were oh. close. You know, you're not the first. Do we have a shots fired button? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Points. But it is points. <laughs> points. And, uh, you know, guess what? That wasn't Seward's folly. Yeah. All right. So when she has the property, she brings her parents. They go to Canada, then come back to New York. She goes to an area, like, one final trip, and along the way befriends a girl that she brings with her to New York. This girl is freed and has two parents. There is some some speculation. I've a, seen movies. She's going to be a traitor. She might have been Harriet's daughter, like a mm-hmm. biological daughter that Harriet gave away so that she didn't become enslaved. She may have been related to, to she may have been, like, a niece of one of the sisters 
that was sold uh, further south. It could also be Harriet Tubman after a lifetime of trauma was just like, nah, this kid's mine. Fuck it. Like, trauma is fucking weird. Who knows? It is of note that she was convinced that the only way slavery was going to end was a civil war. So when the civil war comes about, she's like, bet, and shows up. Yep. Yeah, she was like a spy and shit. <laughs> is, that, is that how kids say it, bet? Yeah, she shows up and she starts to... As, or say less. Say less? That's why say the less, kids yeah. say say less. Okay, so... And I'm like, I can't take words back. <laughs> So she she shows up to for to help with like nursing and provide like cleaning services and the bullshit jobs they give to women in in times of war in the 1800s and in general. But when she shows up, a number of people recognize, oh, you're Moses. Like you're you, that boss ass bitch. Yeah, you know Maryland. You you know all the backwoods. How about we use you? What happens is she gets recruited to as slaves are fleeing. Teach them job skills. Teach them how to cook, clean, that sort of thing. She gets famous for her root beer uh, that she manufactures. Uh, and she job trains fleeing slaves, but also... Why isn't that a brand? I would, it what is a and W. Harriet and... Hard disagree. Harriet Woodman. Oh, you know about Harriet Woodman. She's from the root beer. That one. There's a weird alternate timeline where, like, she gave up emancipation and was like, you know what? I'm just going to go hard into root beer. Hard into root beer. I, I ran 13 missions against the South. You know what? Buy my fucking root beer. Tastes like freedom. And it's like she Sriracha. Like- it's just got, like, a picture of her on the front, like the rooster. That'd be sick. That'd be, oh. I'd drink the shit out of some Harriet Tubman root beer. Harriet root beer. Harriet Woman. Uh, so for the most part, though, she is used. She she's used as as a as she works as a nurse, job trains, but is also uh, uh, getting debriefing contraband for enslaved people as they flee from the south. And since she has intricate knowledge of the area, occasionally goes intimate on intimate. Well, she'll do reverse reconnaissance where she'll yeah, go intimate in intimate knowledge. She fucked. Southern she general. fucked the south literally. Yeah, yes. Yeah. See, I'm cutting that out. Penetrate. How dare you take <laughs> that out? She uh, also goes into the South, and because they pay no mind to their black, like they they have a hard time giving them. a shit about black people. She's able to get a lot of information that's super useful. When she's in the uh, Union side and job training, she actually accepts no payment because the freedmen start getting suspicious of her. There, when you flee from the South, it's not like you trust the North. Right, no. like you're not like, oh, these are the good. Why <laughs> no one's even? ever, no one's ever said, thank God the Americans are here, even when it's at war with America, right? <laughs> and so, and so when they arrive north, they don't. They're like, no, this, you guys are just gonna do it again. We know, we get it, ha ha ha, right? And so she, she takes payment from the things she sells, but she denies payment from the government at the time because people don't trust her. It comes to bite her in the ass later. But she is also one of, she leads, she's the first woman, also the first black woman by default, to lead a U.S. Army operation uh, into the South. <laughs> Basically, she 
the t- this is not a war podcast, but one of the things that they do during the war is they lay mines in the river. If you are the South, the way you do that is you have enslaved people do it. It's way less risky than having the people you conscripted, uh, like 90% of your army to be made of to do it. You had the people you conscripted. The people that you own that aren't people. Yeah, they conscripted so 100% to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but those people are like, yeah, we don't like being enslaved. And in fact, we're going to go to the north and tell them exactly where each and every one of those mines is. And then we'll defuse them for them. Uh, and Harriet Tubman will lead the operation to do this. It's a little bit more complex than that because what they do is they go into this area, they show up at plantations, and they're like, "Enslaved people, we've got boats, and we're we're going. And if you don't come, we're burning it down. So whatever you want to do, we're leaving with fire, just so you know." You got like bo- six minutes. Yeah, and <laughs> that, that that's their whole military operation. They liberate like a hundred people uh, throughout the area, and they burn everything the fuck down. And she becomes the first woman and black person to lead a military operation in U.S. history. Over 700 people. Over 700. Yeah, okay. They were, and it's just crazy because, like, they were going, she was able to. Charlie. Oh, uh, well, I mean, just. You like Harriet Tubman? Name all the people she freed. Well, one of the things I totally passed over because I forgot about was she met up. So John Brown, John who, Brown, John Brown was before. No, no, this no was, this, that was how I engaged with being remembered of. Oh, I forgot another fact. Oh no, Pat and I both intentionally ignore each other all the time. It's not intentional, my. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Harriet Tubman did. Harriet Woman. Brown. <laughs> so before the Ariel Civil War. Beer. <laughs> when John Brown goes to do his raid and is preparing, he does a similar uh, speaking tour to get people on board with his plan because he does do a low key version of it in Kansas, where like every once in a while they'll attack a camp and save some people, and and at one point helps people actually do he kind of does a Harriet Tubman and helps a handful of enslaved people escape to Canada. He doesn't do as good a version. It's like, no, obviously. It's, it's like, like when old. Trent Reznor tries to do country. You're like, no, it's not the same as when Johnny Cash <laughs> tries like to when, do you. It's like when Tarantino talks. It's just a problem. Yeah, it's... it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but she and John Brown are super close. Just John Brown even... Feel- <laughs> he refers to her as General Tubman and calls her him because, like, he's super sexist and, like... But but he's also like, if you're on par with me, you're a man. So like, there's a lot of women that he's like, she was just like a man, so he's a man now. I don't see you like other chicks, so yeah. I'm gonna call you a dude. In his brain, this is the highest form of compliment. I'm yeah. complimenting you, just take the compliment. John Brown, completely uncomplicated man. Uh- <laughs> and he was like, super religious too, so... But she would like talk about her visions, and she said, "I had a vision of meeting you." Yeah, she had a vision of a snake that rose up and became a white man with a beard and had two heads, and two heads fall down, but the message from the snake head would be carried throughout the nation, kind of thing. And she has it re- reoccurringly before meeting him, and then meets him, and is like, "You're the man from my dreams," and he's like, "You're crazy too." <laughs> and, and and Frederick Douglass is just like, "Oh man." I'm going to be associated with both of you. <laughs> Whatever. He should, be, he should be so lucky no, to be associated should. with Area Woman. Yeah, no, he's he's pretty... He's, actually, he's, he, he is way, pretty supportive of them. Uh, it is it is unclear as to why Harriet Tubman... She, she was very on board with everything John Brown was doing, even recruited a lot of people, but she never went with him. 
So it's unclear as to there, there's speculation that she was sick. The, the the main story is that she is sick. There is speculation that she was actually recruiting more people while John Brown went on the raid, and because there there was conversations of him appearing in other places that that are way too far away from the raid that they think were people saying they were John Brown to like avert suspicion a little bit. Uh, and it's entirely possible she was just like, nah, dude, you can't just go attack a federal armory. That's not a tactic. That's just not, that's, that's, that's a step in tactics, but you have to have more than that. So, like, I, I, it's hard to tell. Uh, but when I edit, it'll totally be like that part came before the war part. But then I tell the For war sure. part. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll remember that too, I'm sure. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, then, yeah. So then John Brown, of course, uh, tried arrested tried hanging for treason and uh she said he did he did more in dying than a hundred men did in living and really was that spark that led to because yeah because him him doing all of that convinces the south that like there must be more yeah there's no way there's just one really crazy dude with a broad sword who's (laughs) gonna like gotta change american history because he's a little bit nuts it's not it's not that it's not it's not one lone gunman there's no way it would just be that it's it's not a lot of a lot of people having plays the the most radical thing beside before john brown were people who would burn copies of the constitution uh and then peaceably disassemble like that was that was that was like they'd be like this thing is a tragedy and it's a farce fire all right well let's go home and be sad about slavery that checks out uh after after the civil war uh things are not any easier for people uh for one thing nobody post-civil war a lot of the soldiers don't get paid uh it becomes a whole struggle tubman is amongst these people Basically, they said because she did because she was only known for the nursing duty because the stuff she did oh, was course. clandestine. And the other thing is, as a spy, essentially to, 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 you're offered sixty dollars a day to do spy shit, and as a soldier, you're offered thirty dollars a day. And she asks for, or no, you're offered twenty dollars a day, and she asks for thirty dollars because she's like, I didn't do spy shit all the time. I only led one mission across <laughs> like so i'm not i'm not i was only vital to a huge portion of the war ever any part of maryland but like beyond that like i didn't do too much and there's still so like, like most women she didn't ask for what she was worth because she's been told she's worth this whole life a little bit got it. um got it but she does end up getting it when she so after the civil war she uh, marries a man who is 20 years, 22 years younger than her. Fuck yeah. So, like, Fuck yes. My favorite. My, or also, yikes. My favorite part. We're not sure. My favorite part is he is described as being kind of sickly, but handsome. So yeah. I'm like, Ooh. oh yeah. She was like, she was like she boy toy. She fucked him to death. <laughs> Maybe he did, he did die and she did collect his oh, pension I before know. she got her own payment. <laughs> so it could have been she fucked her boy toy to death. Death by Snoo Snoo from Harriet Wubman. <laughs> like. Harriet Wubman. Harriet Wubman. If time travel is a thing that exists, I will go back and give Harriet Tubman kind of lingus. I would, I would, I mean, I would ask her first. Let's assume. Anyway. I would tell her I'm sorry, and she'd be like, for what? And I'm like, you wouldn't understand. Does she fall asleep in the middle? <laughs> so, the, I mean, statistically? The issue is. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> no, keep going. I'll wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 
It's kind of my favorite way to come back, honestly. <laughs> so, oh, post, post-Civil War, she, uh, she, and if the, the, the C-word guy, right, gives her chance after chance after chance to pay her mortgage. But the deal is, anytime Harriet Tubman gets money, she gives it away to other people. Instead of giving it to him. And, well, more, she takes in anybody who is willing to come in, especially if they're a black person who has escaped the conditions of the South, as we talked about in the South is one episode. It's, it's continuously assaulted by terrorism for the greater part of the 1880s. So being a black person in the South is doubly crappy because you're in the system of sharecropping and all the other shit we talked about at the end of the last episode. And they actually kill you during lynchings now because you're not property anymore. And so you have this double whammy of like, cool, damned if I do, damned if I don't, I'll go north. But then you leave with nothing. You have, you might not, you might have the clothes on your back, maybe, if you're lucky. And so you show up at Harriet Tubman's house and she's like, yeah, I'll feed you. What do you need? Five bucks? I got five bucks. You can have five bucks. I got this house, so it's fine. It'll be here tomorrow. Inevitably, that he evicted her. No, he okay. ish, no ish, in that <laughs> he inev- eventually gets to a point where he's like, "Look, Harriet, I can't keep giving you money because you just give it away. Like you, like like I gave you a thousand dollars already." She's also used by con men uh, to who will come use her to gain confidence for other people. And they'll be like the the. There's one example of these guys basically because money is useless in the South of these guys who are like we have all this gold and we need cash for it, but we can't get cash for it in the South. So what if you give money for to us for it now, and you keep the gold if we get the money, and it's a whole thing, and it's just a box full of rocks, and she gets like knocked out and the money stolen from her, uh, and it's potentially this happens two or three times to her. There's also an instance of a guy comes over, she lets him stay in the house, and she's like, he's got a gun. He's probably going to use it on me. And he goes to rob her, and she's like, have you not heard of me? I'm Harriet Tubman. I give my money away to everyone. I can give you five bucks if you... I'll go ask a friend for five bucks. He come, She comes back with the five bucks, gives it to him, and he's like, that's not enough. And she's like, well, I don't know what to do. So he leaves and uses her name to rob somebody else. Oh, like, my God. Oh, Harriet, Harriet sent me. What have you got? What a piece of poop. So at some point, C-Word's like, I can't keep giving you money, uh, but you can still live here as long as you're making payments-ish. So she doesn't seem to. Eventually, he dies, and like she still owes like 2500 on this property. That makes sense. And her kid is, his kid is like, no, no. Uh, and then she moves at a different point. Wait, so he does kick her out at that he point? He does kick her out, but she does get another place. Like People are like... Basically, immediately after the Civil War, uh, there's a huge interest in her, but she can't read or write, so other people have to write her story for her. As a result of that, a lot of the people that do it will parcel out the money to her as they think she needs it, because uh, oh. like white people. So there's a lot of people who are like paying bills for her at this time, but she doesn't get given money because she can't be trusted with it, because she just wants everybody to have a fucking ends met. Anyway, she... How dare she? So that's when her biographies get written, and that's when she first starts getting mythologized heavily, because they're basically like, look, the South was willing to pay $10,000 for her. Why won't you give us a dollar for her book? Like, 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 mm. And so the bigger that legend gets made, the more you're willing to sell the book. And then the other thing is, as she gets older, uh, America, uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, the South wins. 
right? And so they tried to rewrite history as to the conditions of slavery. Like they tried yeah. to be like, oh, things were fine. People were people were happy. It was it, it was they just were sad that they weren't getting paid, but they were getting like rooms and watermelon and stuff. And so some of the reprintings of you her, know the history of watermelon is because that was one of the only crops that they were allowed to grow, and chicken was like one of the only things they were like allowed to eat. Yeah. So it's like a lot of our stereotypes are yeah, because are we, just things we did. Well, like fry bread, we took away all of the indigenous folks' normal food and gave them government rations. And they figured out a way to make a new thing out of it. Mm-hmm. And then, Which yeah. is so fucking good. Yeah. God, fry bread's so right. good. So Harriet when, I know, it's always good. Yeah. When the, the, her biography, actually, there's like a biography that has two releases. And one of them highlights this actually, like shows this off very distinctly, where there's a story of a man describing the assault and torture and brutalization of an enslaved person in one version and goes into graphic detail, explicit uses of the N-word. And it's like, and you got you got to do it because if you don't hit them hard enough, then they don't learn. And then in a later edition, it's like, well, we 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 had to use force when necessary. Essentially, that's not an exact parcel down, but like if you hear the quotes side by side, you're like, oh, pet's not too far off. Well, so it's like when you tell a parent about something that happened to your child, and they're like, I don't remember that happening. It's like, cool, but it did. Yeah. Regardless of how you wrote your story. So she gets a house in upstate New York that gets given to her through a church and stuff, and uh, she sets, she, her plan, hope, is to someday have a home for old poor black people to go to like a free home and her 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 mission statement is the only people allowed in are people who had nothing when they showed up right and the church that's in charge of that is like yeah but then you're only going to help people who don't have anything and how does that work like how do why would you do that how do you make money doing that how how is that her profit so she gets she she eventually convinces them that you only charge everyone a hundred bucks to enter into this for the rest of their life. But that's after they basically buy her home from her. And she, she kind of resists selling it, but she does because she kind of has no choice. Uh, and it's on the condition that they make this place that'll be free for black people. And then they are not a hundred, it's $50. They're like, fine, we'll settle on a $50 fee. And she's like, it's not free, but it'll do. Uh, a little while later, they do up it to a hundred. Harriet Tubman dies in March 10th, 1913 in the Harriet Tubman home for aged colored people, if I remember the name correctly. She dies of pneumonia, and immediately afterwards is also when the kind of... They've all, throughout her entire life, whenever people pro-slavery are writing about her, they they demonize her, right? Like, like, like they talk... Like, when, when she... Sorry, I, I forgot about this part earlier. When she takes her parents away from the conditions of enslavement, they're like, why Why would she risk the lives of these old people, right? They were living nice, comfortable, safe lives. Were being they? Enslaved. Yes, they were. Were they? They had enslavers taking care of them, Rochelle. Oh, yeah. so that's <laughs> their best interest at heart. Got and, it. Well, of course How they did you know what my best interest is? <laughs> And so uh, some of that demonization continues until about the 60s. That's when there's a bit more interest. I mean, not the 60s, but anyway, there's a brief period of demonization. But basically, um, 
even her work with like women's rights was very was pretty limited really she was just she just was like women should have rights and she was a woman who went and spoke at the same time but almost immediately after her death the women's suffragette movement was like fuck her she couldn't have she couldn't have led people out of the south we know we think she's a con artist so like like even immediately so so that's why i always love telling people her story so thank you guys for coming here <laughs> is is because thank like, you for coming to your pat talk yeah yeah <laughs> no this is that's why i think she's one of history's really only heroes because she she like th- there's a lot of people i think who do really cool things or things that are heroic but i think there are very few people who are like yeah, i'm gonna do it 13 times and like i'm not even gonna do it like to save everybody i just know like it's fucked up if i just go back for my sister well, and it sounds yeah. like even when she was met with people like her ex-husband, who's like, well, I got married. She's like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to keep going. Like, I'll give the suit she, to she somebody had a, new. Yeah, she had a lot of shitty things happen to her, and she kept on going, and that's yeah, really like, admirable. Well, it's and she did it all this. with a fucking traumatic brain injury yeah. where she falls asleep every 30 minutes, and people don't... Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, she was total badass. That's for sure. The, the disability part of Harriet Tubman gets erased a lot, and it's just, yeah, because I did not know about it. Yeah, oh yeah, no, she was severely disabled, and they try to erase it because then you have to discuss the conditions of slavery, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and we can't have that, even with the woman who is responsible for maybe more people being saved from it than any other person. I mean, just the scope of it. I mean, there's there's a few people that like as an American like. Because the schooling system, let's be honest, in this country is pretty shit. Yeah. So, like, knowing any of our history, I think, is good. Uh, any sliver of it that you can that you can understand understand the context. But Harriet Tubman is like is a, one of the one like per people that I remember like learning about very young. Is like, oh, like she was awesome. What I mean, a boss ass bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like she I learned to be on the amount. fucking twenty dollar bill, not Andrew <laughs> War Crimes Jackson. Yeah. Um I had been wondering when we were gonna circle back to this. Yeah. No, well, I mean he Andrew Jackson is, is is we know he murdered at least five people in cold three people in cold blood. Like there's at least three instance there's at least one instance where he walks into the woods with a guy and a knife and he comes back and he's like, Well, we're just not gonna talk about this to everyone he was with. <laughs> like he's like conversation done. Cool. Like, that's... And then we made him fucking president and put him on the money. <laughs> and then people are like, we can't do that with Harriet Tubman. We can't We can't do that with, like... But, well, Biden says he's expediting the process. But we gotta get through the fives and the tens first. We can't... We can't... <laughs> that was what Mnuchin, I guess, said. Was, was He was like, we'll get to the 20 when we get to the 20. Like, we gotta do the other bills. They don't have the celebrity profile in the I, 20. Just on NPR the other day, I heard Janet Yellen was like, oh, she's looking at, the, she's unveiling the new one. It's just like, she changed the signature to hers. So it's like the newest printing. It's like, whoopty shit. Like, when are we going to have like modern currency that can't be torn and broken? Right, though? Uh, that cannot be forged. I think, I think the reason, I've already said, I think the reason America has been so successful is we play a game of kick the can and then we tag in new players every, every yeah. few years. But I think the other reason it is it's so hard to convince people to do a reboot, like that we should fix or change anything, is that you're like the same reticence to discussing slavery and the conversation around hair. Like the, the you have to understand all of the things we did wrong in order to want a reboot. 
and I think like there's just enough people that don't know like how awful things were for people. Well, and it's like I was talking about sovereign citizens earlier. Those people are mad about injustices the federal government has committed. Are they thinking about the holistic effect of that? No. They're just thinking of the fact that they can't buy whatever gun they want and they have to have an ID on hand. How it affects me personally. They think about themselves and themselves alone, so they are not getting the full picture. So they they don't even get what a reboot would need to look like. These are like the same guys that took over some kind of government building in yeah, Oregon yeah. here. Or like the the yeah, the, right? the, yeah. the free people, the free militia in Montana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Oath Keepers fall in the same fucking It really bracket. is. It is, it is the, the inherent danger of thinking you are correct without questioning whether you are right or good. You're, we, you're we, just like, this is proper. It's like, yeah, we are both righteous and, you know... We are. We must be victorious. So I mean, there's nothing. You know, it's it is it is bizarre. But also, you're oppressing me. It is bizarre how much it sounds like ancient Rome sometimes, where like they'll have they had this thing of like they'd be like, oh, Romans in the past used to do it better. We just don't know. We just, we just don't know how good we used to have it. And then like their empire is crumbling around them, and it was never good to begin with. And it's like very. Wait, are you saying? Me. Are you wait? Hold on. If I could maybe summarize that, would you say "Make America Great Again"? Is that maybe what? <laughs> yeah, no. I think I think this time, this time we can do it. I think this time. See, like, remember that time we were great that one time. If you remember back when we were great in the nineties. <laughs> back in the nineties. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Um, and your name is? I'm Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> No, and it's Charlie Hickmont. And hey, where can we find you? You can go to twitch.tv slash Charlie Hickmont, C-H-A-R-L-I-E-H-I-C-K-M-O-T-T. And I stream, and uh, you can also find me Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Thick Juicy Drums, Charlie Hickmont. Uh, I am Chris Cox. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Chris with a K, uh, Cox with a C, also under Chris Comedian. Uh, also under, of course, Everything and Nothing, which, you know, you can get hold of me or Charlie through there. Yeah, thanks thanks for for having having us. And you are? I don't care. I can't wait to die. I'm PTP. I'm here next all the time. Patrick Thomas Perkins yeah, yeah. at comedian PTP yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. Right? yeah, we have. Yeah, Recyclables has a has a has an Instagram. And yeah, a we Facebook got a Graham Bromigos. At some point, I will sit down long enough to focus on Discords and Reddits. Yeah, we should probably create a Discord. Uh, I'm Rochelle Cody. You can find me at Whore for Poor on Instagram. Um, oh, you can also find me Porn on. Oh, sorry, what? Oh. Um, we love you all. Get home safely and don't talk to any bad guys. Hey, thank you for for tuning in. This was one of the episodes I've been most excited to do uh, immediately after Rochelle and I decided to to hang out regularly for these stories. Harriet Tubman was, was like kind of top of the list because there's so much about her story and her conditions and the circumstances of her story. She's truly extraordinary. Um, and, and, and in school, I would hear uh, the people that we were supposed to think of as heroes. And I was seriously like from maybe the sixth or seventh grade onward comparing them, uh, at least in my head to Harriet Tubman because it's like George Washington crossed one valley, right? And and suddenly he's the hero of American history. Meanwhile, um, Harriet Tubman walked to Canada and back like a half a dozen times. <laughs> like... <laughs>
I don't I don't know where our lines for deciding who who is historically a hero should be drawn, but to me Harriet Tubman is definitely like very high ranking in in uh, amazing humans in history. So I was really excited to share her story with you guys because of that. Um she's she's just she's cool, you know? And the more you know about her, the more cool she gets. And then I think the reason that maybe she's not discussed in full nuance as a, as a fully uh, shaded person is in part because she had to be mythologized to sell her story, but also because if, if you start looking into how awful things were around her, you have to start holding people into account uh, for, for the circumstances of her condition. And Americans uh, just are bad at that. Oh, Jesus. Well, that was, that was a weird downer that I didn't mean to bring us on to. Um, <laughs> I just think Harriet's story makes it, uh, makes the rest of us exceptional because it's something we can inspire to because she, she went through a lot and still continued to give and want nothing but the best for everyone in the world around her. I'd like to move on to the thinking of the executive producer portion of the show. Before I begin, if you want to become an executive producer of Recyclables, all you have to do is join the Patreon. Uh, it starts as low as a dollar a month, but you can give whatever you want. Basically, if you would buy me a cup of coffee or a pack of magic cards or a joint, just, just, just subscribe to the Patreon for that much. Be like, you know what? This, this is worth one joint a month. Those are worth, like, what, five bucks? All right, PTP, have five bucks. If you can't do that, that's also fine. I'm not the kind of person right now who can afford to give out joints willy-nilly to other people, so I, I totally understand your boat. If you want to help, the best way you could help is honestly tell somebody about the show. And I don't even mean like on social media. If you're at work and you hear somebody who's like, oh, I'll bet you they'll like PTP's rambling sense of humor, point the show out to them, you know? Uh, that, that would mean just as much as a joint to me, because that, that means our little project here is, is worth your time and space. Speaking of people who have been willing to give up a little of their time and space to donate money to the show, let me get on to the executive producers. Top of the list, thank you very much, uh, for all your work as an executive producer. Ben Menard, you, you, you were just fucking phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, also a phenomenal executive producer, Sabrina Phillips. Thank you very much for, for being our, our international supporter. Edwin Shives, thank you for being an executive producer. Every time I read your name, I think of Full Metal Alchemist. I, uh, sorry. Uh, Stephanie Oxford, thank you for uh, reaching out with a story idea that I need to follow up on, but also for being an executive producer of this program. Whitney Hampson, you're an executive producer of this, and we don't hang out enough. Thank you. Uh, Nova Starlust, same thing to you. I hope things go better. It sounds like you've had a rough patch the last few days, uh, but thank you for being an executive producer. Rob Campbell, I'm not on social media enough to know what your life is like these days, but I hope it's going well because you're an amazing executive producer. Uh, also an amazing executive producer, Andrew Miller. I really appreciate you. Thank you for being an executive producer of Recyclables. Kristen Rowan. We're going to get to the episode idea that, that we discussed very, very soon. My kid is almost to the point where it's going to be perfect. So, so thank you, uh, for being an executive producer. Another executive producer, Linda Grimes. Thank you very much. Uh, Butterface Creations. 
not only an executive producer, has been a guest. And I thank you for both those things. They were a phenomenal experience. Uh, Carrie Davis, you have been a wonderful executive producer and friend, and I appreciate you very much. Thank you, Erica N., definitely an executive producer, also a stepsister, also an amazing woman. I hope things are going well. Thank you for being an executive producer of Recyclables. Also, Ash Alexander, thank you for being an executive producer from Patrick Perkins, AA to PP, or PP to AA, thank you. <laughs> Last but not least, Chella L., Thank you for being an executive producer of Recyclables. Uh, I've been PTP. You have been Recyclables. Should I do the thing? Should I be like from each according to their ability to each according to their need? I guess. I guess. Is that how we sign off now? That's going to be weird. I don't know how I feel about that. The music is playing over this. It's fun. See you later. Make me pull this podcast over, you two. <laughs> Your mother and I are going to be very. Dis- I'm sorry, Cassie. Just just mom. Do, do I, don't, I don't know why. Really, I should be the mom. Let's be like. I, Look, I'm just waiting to get home to my rocking chair okay. and pass out. All right, I'm getting up there. <laughs> I'm getting up there. So that's how Harriet Tubman feels <laughs> as well. Thank you for picking up recyclables today. Donations to the ACAST streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.